do? What are your musts? What are your have-tos? What are your musts? What can you not not do? What do you have to keep trying? Even through failure, even through rejection, even as things haven't worked out or gone exactly as they planned, as you planned, because they never will. They'll never go exactly as you planned. Your path towards your dream will always be filled with obstacles and challenges and rejections and potholes and people pointing at you and laughing and nobody understanding. But what can you not not do? What do you find yourself so compelled to keep trying? Grown up. Hey everybody, this is Paul Anthony Angoni, and you are listening to another episode of the All Grown Up Podcast, where we talk about everything, your 20s, your 30s, how to do grown-up life well. And for each episode, we tackle a secret, we tackle a question, and we tackle a lie that too many people are believing, and that's the episode. Again, I'm the author of four books, my newest book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings need to stop believing. And that's where we're going to take from that book right now for this episode. And we're going to tackle another lie. And the lie is chasing your dream will look sexy. Chasing your dream will look sexy. That's the lie. And I think many of us buy into that lie, especially as we are watching somebody else pursue their dream or more accurately watching the pictures they're posting of them pursuing their dream. Because typically the pictures that they're posting, these influencers, these stars, the celebrities, the picture that they're posting are very sexy. They're, I'm on a beach with my laptop. I'm doing my work, but it doesn't even feel like work because look at me in the, in the Pacific and it's so blue. The water is so blue. And that's what it looks like to pursue your dream. Oh, I got to be on the, on the beach with my laptop. And that's the, the epitome of success. That's the image. When in the reality, for most of us, if you've ever pursued a dream, if you've ever pursued something bigger, uh, taken that risk, taken that chance, really gone for it, you realize pretty quickly there's nothing sexy about it. It's actually a path full of sacrifice. And yet, I'm going to make the argument that sacrifice actually can be sexy in a different way because sacrifice can be freeing. And actually, as we're pursuing a dream, we must pursue the path of sacrifice. We have to, because you're going to be sacrificing something. Whether it's your time, your energy, could be a relationship, could be a job, could be comfort, security. There's going to be something you're sacrificing. And so let's get to that. But first, let me tell my story a little bit more. Some of you might know it. I won't go into too many details. I I tell more of this story in my book as I kind of paint this picture of what it's looked like for us as we pursued this dream of becoming a full-time author, speaker, speaking truth, hope, hilariousness, and the lives of others, is that for years and years, I mean, I won't go into a whole backstory, but getting rejected by every publisher around, wondering if my email is broken because I can't get anybody to email me back. I mean, I'm literally sending messages to friends and just saying, can you send me an email just to make sure that my email actually works? Because no one will seem, seems to respond to me. Uh, so those kind of things. And, and, but, but then finally, you know, I'm starting to get a glimpse, uh, a, a little picture that maybe success is possible. I've been writing and doing this for eight, nine years at that point with very little success and, and getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning to write blogs or, uh, working my full time job in marketing. And then at lunch, instead of going to lunch with my friends, I'm going to lunch to work on a blog. And I had a lot of good friends in the office, and it was definitely kind of the 
the club where you guys all go hang out and you know at lunch and after work and you guys were all together and I remember having to tell them no I can't go to lunch today I'm gonna write a blog and they'd be like oh how cute you're gonna go write a blog uh, because they didn't get it you know they didn't get the sacrifice that I was making at that moment but I'd have to make much bigger sacrifices than that of when we decided to go full-time after being uh, an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, leaving the full-time job in marketing. And so for my wife and I, and we had two young kids at that point, uh, three and one year old, we decided that to transition from full-time work to being an author, we were going to live with my wife's parents. So I'm moving in with my in-laws. Not exactly the path that I was envisioning once I finally got my first book deal. Because I finally happened. I finally had taken uh, the the excitement and the momentum that I had uh, from a blog article called 21 Secrets to Your 20s. Maybe some of you first discovered me through that blog article uh, because it went viral. It was shared by millions. I finally got enough excitement for a publisher to take me on. And we published my first book, 101 Secrets to Your 20s, which I wrote in about a month as that was the deadline they gave me because they wanted to capitalize on momentum. So it was basically 10 years of waiting, 10 years of rejection, 10 years of sacrifice, of struggle, uh, of just feeling like I'm walking through the mud with shoes covered in hard cement. I can barely move to finally getting that book deal and then running full speed and going full bore after this dream. But the advance that we got for that book, and I'll just go ahead and share it with you, uh, was $5,000. So basically meaning the publisher paid me $5,000 for the book. So while at the moment that was the most money that I'd ever made from any of my writing, so in, in one way that was a huge success and I was so grateful. But on the other hand, you know, $5,000 with a wife and two kids, that wasn't going to exactly pay the bills for, for too long. So that's why we moved in with my in-laws. And I won't go into all the details and stories of, of those eight months, I believe, that we lived with my in-laws. But it was pretty tough. It was a 1,200-square-foot house uh, with my wife's parents and then also their uh, grandmother who had Alzheimer's. So my mother-in-law is taking care of her. We have a three-year-old and a one-year-old who are running around everywhere. My wife started working part-time just to help pay the bills as I'm trying to pay the bills with writing. So it was an intense season. It was a lot of people coming together under one roof. It was pretty hard. It wasn't sexy. Sharing one bathroom, one kitchen with all these people, converting a garage into our room. And uh, we, I literally remember buying carpet off Craigslist. That was uh, uh, little fragment pieces, you know, from a, a new home development. They had all these spare parts. And so we basically got all this carpet and uh, pieced it together. It was like a, as a, like a Tetris game on the floor to piece all these random pieces of carpet to create our floor. These are the kind of uh, memories that I think about when I when we were living there. So finally, we decided we're gonna, we got to move out of the in-laws' house. Like we can't do this forever. So we moved into a condo in San Diego. Again, we couldn't quite afford living in a condo in San Diego, and that's when we realized part of the secret that most Southern Californians know is that ninety percent of Southern California, ninety-five percent of Southern California can't afford to actually live in Southern California. But 95% of Southern California is trying to pretend and make it look like we can live in Southern California. And that was definitely our case as we lived in this condo with now my wife's sister, uh, who is in one bedroom of our two-bedroom condo. And then our kids were in the other bedroom of our two-bedroom condo. 
So if you're doing the math here like we were, we have kids in one room, sister in another room, it's two bedrooms, not really a place for my wife and I to sleep or call our own. So we ended up sleeping in a closet. It was a pretty good sized closet. I mean, you could fit a mattress in this closet. It was a master bedroom closet. So our kids are sleeping in the room and then we're literally behind like the glass sliding doors of the master bedroom. And that's where we slept. That was our room was in this uh, on the mattress in a closet. And sometimes you'd have the suitcases like above you on shelves. And sometimes the suitcases would fall on your head. Uh, You know, there's clothes hanging everywhere. And that's where we lived. And I bring up those stories and I talk about that more in the book because I I remember my mom coming out and visiting us or I remember, you know, we'd have people over for dinner in the condo and we weren't exactly publicizing to everybody because, again, this is Southern California. You're not publicizing to your friends that you're sleeping in a closet. You're just acting like you're making it work. But then we'd have friends come over and uh, I remember my wife and I were in the kitchen getting food ready, getting everything ready, and my, my daughter was taking our friends on a tour. And I remember hearing her say, oh, and here's where mommy and daddy sleep. And me trying to get out there quickly to usher them away, but they've already seen that mommy and daddy are sleeping in a closet. A little embarrassing at the time. But my point to all this is, and this is truthfully how we felt in the moment when we were sleeping in that closet, is that that sacrifice, we were making a sacrifice because we were pursuing something, we were investing in something bigger than ourselves. We were investing in sacrifice. And I think we sometimes miss that step. We want to go straight to the sexy of our dream, to the big vision, the big goals, the big accolades, the, the big sales, whatever it is. But, but for most of us, we quickly realize that you must invest in sacrifice first. And here's the beautiful thing for us when we were sleeping in that closet, it truly wasn't, it didn't feel like a sacrifice. It felt freeing to us because sleeping in that closet, making those sacrifices of comfort, of of finances, of these kind of sacrifices was giving us the gift of time, was giving the freedom to pursue this goal and this dream. It was giving us the time to do that. Because if we would have chosen, well, we can't sleep in a closet, we can't do this, this looks so foolish, we're so embarrassed, nobody should live like this, you know, all these things that we're thinking in our head, if we were to pursue, well, let's go down the more safe path, the secure path, just, Paul, get another job, we got to have a, a full-time salary, we got to make this work, well, then maybe book number two never happens, or book number three never happens, or four, uh, maybe none of that ever happens because we chose the path of comfort or what might look good instead of choosing the path of sacrifice. And in my book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings need to stop believing, I talk about this more and I share some stories too of other people and their sacrifices they made. So I remember uh, watching the documentary of, of Toni Morrison, who's an acclaimed author who's won the Nobel Peace Prize for books like uh, Beloved, uh, this famous author, But what I didn't know about Toni Morrison is that she was also an editor at Random House. So she was actually a lead editor at one of the biggest publishing houses, and she was helping bring to life other people's books. So she was extremely busy. So she lived outside the city and would commute into New York City to do her editing job, and then she was writing on the side while also being a single parent and raising, uh, I believe, two children. 
And so there was this moment in this documentary where Tony, Tony Morrison is describing this scenario and she's feeling burnt out and she's feeling like, well, she must, she has to sacrifice something. So she wrote out a list of all her to-dos in a day, all the things that she had to do of being an editor and a, and a mom and a writer and all these things. And she wrote out all this list of all the things she has to get done. And then she thought to herself, what do I have to do out of this list? What are my have to's? And so she went through and she crossed out everything until she was down to raise my kids and write. Those were her two have to's. She crossed everything else off. So she quit her high powered, probably well-paying job as an editor at Random House. And she focused on those two things of being a writer and being a mom raising her two kids. She was making a sacrifice. But again, it was a freeing sacrifice. It was a sacrifice filled with life and with love because she was getting down to her have-tos. So important. And then there was another uh, story that I tell in the book of a, of a spy in World War II, a French spy, her name Marie-Madeleine Forcade. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. My French, a little light on the French in my world. Uh, but she was being interviewed by a journalist about why she chose to risk her life being a spy in World War II all the chances, all the risks. And I mean, she's putting her life on the line. Why did she do this? And she responded to this question and it was so interesting to me and I think so profound. She responded by saying, I don't understand the question. For me, it was a moral obligation to do what you were capable of doing. It was a must. How could you not do it? So again, for her, she didn't see the risk and the chance she took as a spy as a sacrifice. She saw it as a must. She's like, I don't even understand the question. How could I not do this? It was a must. So it goes back to another question that I asked in my book, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. And let's be, let's be honest, you're 32. But I asked this question as we're trying to clarify our vision, clarify our path, our career. What are the dreams worth pursuing? So I asked this question of, what can you not, not do? What can you not, not do? Or like Toni Morrison was finding out, what are your have-tos? Or as the French spy, Madeleine, uh, was, was coming to, what are your musts? What are your have-tos? What are your musts? What can you not, not do? What do you have to keep trying, even through failure, even through rejection, even as things haven't worked out or gone exactly as they planned, as you planned, because they never will. They'll never go exactly as you planned. Your path towards your dream will always be filled of obstacles and challenges and rejections and potholes and people pointing at you and laughing and nobody understanding. But what can you not not do? What do you find yourself so compelled to keep trying? And for me, that was writing, that was doing this, that was inspiring and offering truth, hope, hilariousness to people. It was something I could not not do. So even when I was getting rejected by every publisher around, I had to keep trying. I had to keep writing. I had to keep going and, and getting rid of my lunch break so I could write a blog and getting up at 6 a.m. and living with in-laws and sleeping in a closet. We had to do all these things because it was something I could not not do. It was so important to me. Because I knew that it was important work and it was so written into my story and in my soul, my values, my skills. It was the culmination of all those things. So we had to make the sacrifices. And don't be surprised if people don't understand your sacrifice. If people don't see it. 
if they question it, if they wonder if you've lost your mind, if you've gone crazy. I know my friends did. Paul, what are you doing? You're being a blogger? Like, what is that? You're trying to be an author? Like, you can't. I saw you in English class. You're not a writer. You know, some of these things that people would say to me all the time, or at least allude to me, uh, as they reality reality checked me, you know, when we have reality reality checkers come by and say, who are you to do this? You can't pull this off. They don't understand the sacrifice. They don't understand the path that you're on. But that path of sacrifice can be so purposeful. That path of sacrifice can be so freeing. It's not going to look sexy, but it is so important. It is so important. So it's okay if it doesn't look sexy to you right now. You're not following a clear path. You're not living for the expectations of anyone else. You're intentionally sacrificing in the moment so you can be free to do what you were made to do in the present and in the future. You might be sacrificing some comforts. And in return, you're getting time. For my wife and I, we didn't have much space to live in, but we had tons of of space to create and dream. That was a great trade-off in our opinion. So what are your musts? You have to find them. You have to protect them. You have to treat your musts and your have-tos like you would your puppy or your child. You wouldn't allow your boss to come in and take your cute little labradoodle from your house, letting you get it back when you worked there for three years and had sufficiently proved yourself. No, you have to find, protect, and pursue your have-tos Or at some point, you'll be wrestling with an unfulfilled life, living as you were supposed to, instead of living as you needed to. For the health and life of your soul, for the world that desperately needs you to carry your torch and light some torches for the rest of us to see. I don't want any of us to live like we should have. I want us to live like we have to, like we need to, like we're compelled to. And pursuing a dream, it won't look sexy. It won't look sexy. It won't look Instagrammable most of the time. Uh, Friends won't be applauding you. People won't understand. That's okay. That's when you know you're on the right path. Because it's your have to. It's your must. It's important. And pursuing a dream, it's like carrying one bucket of water after another to a well. People won't see the 1,547 buckets that you poured into that well, that you labored to get there, they won't see the sacrifice. They'll only see the one bucket that made it all spill over. And that's okay. So right now, what are your have-tos? Maybe you need to write out the list like Toni Morrison did. Write out the list of everything that you're doing in the day, every, all the responsibilities, everything that's taking up your time. And then start crossing things off and trying to get down to what do I have to do? What is the deep yearning of my soul that I feel like the world needs me to do this? My family needs me to do this. My life needs me to do this. Because then you'll find sacrifice that is freeing, even if it's not sexy. Thank you, everybody. This is Paul Ngoni. This is from my book, 25 Lies, 20 Somethings Need to Stop Believing. So if you want to read more about this and get inspired and be filled with this truth, please check out that book. Uh, it's been great to get the responses of people that have been getting changed, that have been finding so much hope and truth from the, the new book, 25 Lies, 20 Somethings Need to Stop Believing. Thank you for listening again. Uh, it's my honor and my privilege, and this is my have to, what I'm doing right now, to speak truth, hope, hopefully some hilarious to, to you wherever life finds you today. 
Uh, and don't be afraid to make that sacrifice. Don't be afraid to lean into your must. What can you not not do? Have a great day.